welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. It's Wednesday, August 31st, 2022, and Dr. Rick and I are coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. And today we have the awesome opportunity to be joined by uh, two brothers, Alex and Stephen, who I'm sure many people know from their films, the Kendrick Brother films, great films that one, exalt the body of Christ, exalt the word of God, but also are family friendly uh, for families to see. And so Alex has dedicated his life to following Christ and making his truth and love known among the nations. He served in church ministry for 20 years, and now he writes, speaks, and produces these films with his brother, Stephen, or his brother, Stephen and Shannon. He's directed and co-wrote the movies Overcomer, War Room, Courageous, Fireproof, Facing the Giants, and Flywheel. And in 2021, the Kendrick Brothers released two films, Courageous Legacy and Show Me the Father. And today, we want to actually talk about their newest film, which will be opening on September 2022, and that is the film Life Mark. And we're also joined by executive producer Stephen Kendrick, who also served in church ministry for 20 years and writes and speaks and produces these same films. And we want to talk about this new movie, uh, this new movie that comes out next month, a movie that both Dr. Rick and I have had the opportunity to see and to screen. And it is such a timely movie. Uh, not only because of where we find ourselves on the life journey, but also because of its themes of redemption and adoption and just the, 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 the true journey of a woman who goes through an unexpected pregnancy. And so it's a, a film about a young man named David and his world is turned upside down when his birth mother unexpectedly reaches out to him, longing to meet her 18-year-old son that she's only held once. And so with the encouragement of his adoptive parents, David embarks on a journey of discovery that leads to a staggering truth from his past. And so uh, from executive producers, Kurt Cameron and the Kendrick brothers, uh, we find this story that celebrates adoption, reconciliation, and love. Before we get to hear from the Kendrick brothers and we bring in the venerable Dr. Rick, I do wanna remind you about parent coaching. Parent coaching is a service available for any parent who needs additional insight into the child's behavior, tailored to fit each family and each child. There are 45 to 60 minute sessions filled with proven tools and techniques to use in building additional strengths in parenting. And so you can always see our show notes or visit lifelinechild.org backslash parent coaching. Again, that's lifelinechild.org backslash parent coaching for more information and to be connected with a Lifeline staff member. Well, Dr. Rick, I know you had the opportunity to actually travel to Georgia and to be on set for the filming of Life Mark. Uh, as many people that, that listen to this podcast may know, uh, Dr. Rick is an unabashed, unashamed crier. And so uh, he, he has confessed that uh, not only did he cry on set, but when we got to watch the film in Nashville several months ago, uh, he wept like a baby. So uh, for those of you who aren't quite as uh, easy to weep as Dr. Rick, I will tell you that I haven't found a tear in my eye. This is a a well-done story. And bro, I know it hits close to home for both of us as well. 
Absolutely, Herbie. I and I will confess that that I've now um, seen a few of the dailies while we were on set. Saw you know saw it in Nashville. Watched it last night again, and I've cried like a prom queen three times in you know in the <laughs> opportunity. And and so I you know Alex Stephen, thank you for um, outing my uh, emotional vulnerability here with our audience. But nobody's really surprised to be honest with you. Um, I I think that. Um, First of all, we, we just we love you guys and, and what you do. And, and I would I would be remiss not to say as, as we start this interview about what an incredible experience it was to be with you and your team and the cast on set. And um, and it had nothing to do, honestly, to me with like the wonder of of being on a film set. It was crazy. And, and it was like, I can't believe you guys make things look like what you do after having walked on a set. But I'm going to tell you what was impressive was, um, the, like the, the spirit on set was palpable. Um, there was a, there was a heart, the heart of people inclined, inclined toward Jesus. The, the, the fact that, you know, there was daily prayer happening on set and, and, and that, there was a real intentionality of uh, for Christ to be honored, even in the midst of of all the things that were going on. And so I would just like to say for those folks that are out there that are saying, hey, is this really legit? Is this for real? Yes, it is. And I appreciate you, brothers, for, um, you know, for for bringing that to the to the forefront for us. I guess where I, where I'd like to start maybe today is um, this is the first film that the Kendrick brothers that you guys have ever done with, uh, with a story, um, with the story of a, of a person. It's not, a, it's, it's not a, you know, kind of an amalgamation of stories or, or whatever. What, what was it like to tell David and his family story in, in the film life, Mark? Well, you know, Stephen and I had just finished a movie called Overcomer in 2019. Kirk Cameron gives us a call, says, guys, you got to watch, this short documentary that I just saw, it just grabbed my heart. He said, it's called I Lived on Parker Avenue. Stephen and I pulled it up, watch it. Man, it, it moved us as well. It's about an 18-year-old girl who rolls off the abortion table at the last second, places her child for adoption. He's adopted by a family that could not have their own children, a Christian family. When they raised him, they named him David. When they raised him at the age of 18, he gets to meet his biological mother. Well, she thought he would hate her for everything that had happened. And David just wraps her up in a big hug and it just melts her heart. He says, thank you, thank you, thank you for letting me be adopted, for letting me live. And it, it just changed her whole mindset. And um, they're both believers and they both speak around the country today for adoption and the beauty of choosing life. And so we saw this, we said, this has got to be a motion picture. It's hard to argue with a true story. So we filmed it. Kirk Cameron is in the movie and, and, and an executive producer with us. So it was great to, to reconnect with Kirk after so many years. We had done Fireproof all those years ago. And uh, we can't wait to see what happens. And we had no idea at the time that Roe versus Wade would be overturned in 2022. So we are excited about the impact. We think God is up to something and we want to join him. Yeah, I, I, I was just struck by the message of the film and, and the re redemption in the film. And, you know, Kirk Cameron's character says over and over that we want to trust God no matter what happens. Uh, we want what's best for the child and for the birth mother. And 
what's I think struck me at least, I know struck Dr. Rick is that's what we're training our parents who are adopting to think all the time is when you're called to a domestic adoption, you're not just called to care for a child, but you're also called to care for a woman. And even in a post row world that we're now living in, it's time for those of us who are pro-life and biblically convicted to remind people that we are working for two lives, not just one life and, and one life on either side of the spectrum. We're working for a mother and a child. Why was it so important that this be the theme in LifeMark as y'all were making it? Well, <clears throat> we want to operate out of love for the audience when we're making a movie. So many people in Hollywood, they're trying to get money out of the audience or awards for themselves or fame. And we're thinking, well, what if you love the person who's watching this film? You would want God's best for them in every area of their lives. If they don't know Christ, that it would lead that you would help lead them to Christ. If they are struggling in their marriage, that you would help their marriage. We talk about that when people are lying on their deathbed, they're not going to care anymore about how many likes they have on Facebook or how much money is in their 401k. They're going to be caring about where they stand with God, and they're going to be thinking about the people they love the most. And our films try to focus in on helping people get right with God and get right with the people that are around them that they love the most and to be salt and light in this world. And so if love is inserted into this broken society that we're in, it will cause us to show compassion for these terrified girls that are in an unwanted pregnancy that are being told that abortion is their savior and that this is their only option. The church needs to be a louder voice of love and truth and compassion for those girls. And we need to show love and compassion for the child in their womb that has its own fingerprint and blood type and brain and heart and its own identity as created in the image of God. But it has no voice. It is completely dependent upon other people to protect it, to provide for it. And now there's an assault by the devil on the life of that child, just as Herod trying to kill the babies in Bethlehem at Jesus's birth. And so, but we also need to show compassion for these moms and dads that want to adopt but can't have children, or the people that are post-abortive that have had abortions, they say like two out of every seven women in, in uh, churches sit in pews have had abortions in the past, but nobody knows about it. So they're carrying around this weight, this heavy burden that they uh, have had abortions and the, the guilt of that, the fear of that. So we want to show compassion for them because the gospel applies to them. The cross applies to them. Christ can heal the soul of anybody. And even as it says in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, he restores my soul. You know, people that are broken in this world, they need their soul restored and Jesus is the one who can do it. So in this film, we are communicating interestingly, the perspective of everybody involved. You see the perspective of the pregnant girl and her boyfriend. You see the perspective of David growing up and realizing his life is a gift. You see the perspective during the 20 years of journey with the adopted parents. And with the boyfriend as he gets older, you know, having to deal with, uh, with this child that he didn't want to have. And now he realizes, I'm really glad that we chose life instead of abortion in this situation. And so we think the church has an incredible opportunity right now to shine, to shine the love of Jesus and to show compassion at every level and to be praying for our state legislators 
that the battle has now gone for the Supreme Court down to 50 battles at every state capitol. And those guys need prayer, encouragement, support, and churches need to be rising up in supporting adoption and foster care like never before. Well, and I think, you know, one of the things I'd like to kind of press in a little bit there is, is um, the the reality is that when, you know, Alex, you talked about when Kirk brought this story to you guys in 2019, none of us could could envision at that point a world where we would be in a, in a post-row world and and that that God would have allowed the circumstances to to unfold before us that um that are exactly what Stephen said in, in a world where we we have an opportunity to redefine the lines and and to protect life. I, I'm curious, like, how have you begun to see, even in the march toward the the release of the film, um, how those how that opportunity is is coming forth, and and maybe how could people use the film as a way of of really helping to. Um, to clarify the issue of the the protection of life and the right to life for um, for folks that are maybe even at, at a distance from the body of Christ. Yeah, and that's a great question. And I'm going to give you the most recent example. Uh, we we finished talking recently to a guy in England, and he said, "Now that Roe vs. Wade has been overturned, their country is taking another look at this." Uh, and so for now, guys, America is still the most influential country in the world. People follow our athletes. They follow our celebrities. They follow what our government is doing. And, and so that's when we're saying, what is the church doing in the most influential country in the world? And one of the things we have to do is pray for our leaders, pray for our local leaders, our state leaders, our government leaders, that God would turn their heart in the direction of righteousness and that he would close doors that we don't need to walk through, open doors we do need to walk through. So hearing that even other countries are already starting to talk about, well, should we take another look at this? Should we should we make a different, you know, different opinion than just the right to abort? And and which is incredible. So, uh, you know, we're praying for a shift away from political correctness, away from wokeness. You know, it's interesting to me. Political correctness is only concerned with offending mankind. Political correctness is not worried at all about offending a holy God that we are even more accountable to. So we are hopeful that stories like this, a true story, it's hard to argue with a true story. This is exactly what happened. And you see the beauty of adoption. You see the beauty of choosing life. And that the mother that gave her child up for adoption when she was an 18-year-old girl with no resources, couldn't raise him, that she says that was the right choice. And I want to tell everybody else, even though it was hard, it was the right choice. Messages like this can give hope. Um, it can bring redemption. And so that's what we're going to fight for. Scripture says in Proverbs, defend the one who can't defend himself. And to us, that's an unborn child. It is every bit human. It's not a fish. It's not an alien. It is human. So let's fight for life. God gives us life as a gift. It is a beautiful thing. Let's treasure it. Yeah, guys, you know, one of the things I've really appreciated about all of your films, and, and in particular this one as well, but you guys are, are very courageous in the stances you take and tackling things that that are real in, in both the Christian world and in the church, but also in our community um, from fireproof of, of really going back towards men and saying, you need to be standing up 
uh, for your wives and for your marriages. Y'all, y'all have tackled so many important issues and done it with just a, a biblical mindset. And I think a lot of times, you know, Christian movies become soft and y'all have done movies that are anything but soft and really get at the, the issues. And I'm so grateful that the Lord led you to this film because as I watched it in June, right before we got the decision uh, of the Dobbs case and the overturning of Roe v. Wade, I, I, I was just struck by exactly what you just said, Alex, about how I knew this film would be used in such a powerful, powerful way to make the, the case for a pro-life Bible-driven ethic. And it's so important. And I know we are joining you guys with praying that the Lord would use this, not just in Christendom, but also in the world to show uh, that 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 life truly is marked out by God, made in His image, and needs to be protected. It's we we're called to protect the most vulnerable. And Stephen, I know that that you and your family have been called to that in a physical way as well, uh, not just in a career of making movies, but but you guys have adopted and brought home a daughter from China. Can you talk a little bit of just that personal story and? What led you guys to the process of adopting your child? Sure. Well, my wife, Jill, and I had four biological children, and we were actually on an airplane flying to New York to approve the final print for the movie Courageous before it went out into theaters. And I was reading in John 10 in my Bible and just praying, and God used a passage, John 10, 16, to open my heart to this concept of adoption. Jesus is actually talking about the Gentiles being included in salvation. And he said, he said, I have other sheep that are not of this fold that I must bring to be a part of this fold. And the Lord just through his spirit and through his word spoke very clearly to my heart and said, you need to be open to adoption. Well, I was supportive of foster care and adoption generally and for other people, but just not personally feeling like I needed to do that. You know, we we had biological children. You know, we're fine. We don't need to adopt anybody else's, you know, kid. But I turned to my wife and said, I think God is leading us to adopt. And she had been praying for me for two years that God would turn my heart towards adoption. And I didn't even know it. Well, we went through the next two years of filling out the paperwork and going through the process. And when they started sending us referrals from China, uh, we knew that it was going to be a special needs girl from China. The first four referrals that we got, there was this heavy lack of peace. Colossians 3.15 says, the peace of God, let it rule in your hearts. And so the Lord will always lead us by his spirit and with a peace in accordance with his word, but he can use a peace to also say open door or closed door. Well, we ended up turning down the first four referrals and I felt guilty because you feel like this little you know, orphan girls knocking on my door saying, please take me in and be my forever family and lead me to Christ, you know. And so by faith, though, we said, no, we're going to pass on these first four referrals. The fifth one that came in, there was this total peace. And she had a worse medical condition. She was born with half a heart. and uh, But it said on her uh, adoption papers that she was born on 2-14-2011, Valentine's Day, 2011. And my wife said she was born on Valentine's Day with a broken heart. And, uh, and so we said, yes, we're going to move forward with this process. We're doing it by faith. We don't know what's going to be in store. A few weeks later, my wife said to me, well, when did God speak to you on that airplane? 
And I, I couldn't remember. So I went back and I opened up my Bible in John 10. And there it was next to John 10, 16. Adoption, 2-14-2011. Same this, day. The same day that that God spoke to me on that airplane was the same day Mia was being born in China. And there was this overwhelming sense of the Lord communicating, I was in this journey. I was in you turning down those first four referrals. I'm in you adopting this baby girl, and I'm going to carry you through the, the medical issues, through the training of her, and being glorified with her and life. And he did. So when we adopted her and brought her home, we saw this identity change that was incredible. We saw her go from being an unwanted burden in a communist country to being a beloved blessing in a Christian home in America. Everything about her changed. And her name changed. Her The opportunities opened up. Because now, before, she didn't have any kind of hope for the future. A lot of kids are trafficked after they age out. You know, and uh, and no way of getting the education, the medical support that she needs. Now she has an equal rights inheritance in my home as our other children. God gave us just as much love for her as he did for our other kids, which I was wondering about. And then now she's come to Christ. She's had a, a life-saving heart surgery. She's a, a reading machine. And she's even shared the gospel with other people on a mission trip that she recently went on. And I'm thinking, isn't it just like the Lord to take a medical heart defect to set her apart? Because if she was born healthy, she may have grown up in a pagan home in China. But God used her weakness as a way to set her apart. And now her life is being used for his purposes. So I would tell people, you can trust our awesome God who has a perfect track record, who can do more than we can ask or imagine. And if he leads you to do something, trust him by faith and move forward. You don't have to have it all figured out because he's got it all figured out. Wow. Stephen, I'll just tell you, if um, if you if you ever feel the Lord leading you away from uh, the family movie making business, there's probably a place at Lifeline for you to come hang out. So just um, that. But man, just so. And, and I think, you know, as, as we've said before, I think one of the things that we love about you guys and about the about the films that you make is that you like you really tell the true story. And, and you and you deal with the hard pieces. Um, and I thank you for even, you know, even talking about the hard pieces in, in your own story and, and your, you know, bringing home of, of Mia. And but I think in the midst of dealing with those hard things, you also have created something in life, Mark, that is it's pro family. It's pro forgiveness. It's pro reconciliation. It's not, it's not a, a, this, you know, dark, what we're against. It's what we're for because of, you know, because of God's heart. And I would just love for you to talk a little bit about the hope that you have for how this film will, will maybe change or transform or augment people's view of adoption. Um, once they've, once they've been a part of life, Mark. Yeah, you know what? I, I <clears throat> this story changed our hearts when we began to see this true story and how it played out with God's fingerprints all over it. We began to see it from a broader perspective, and that's what we want to do for the audience who watches this film. God is the author of life, and it is precious. It should be treasured. It should be defended, and so that's what we want to remind people of, and that we are to seek Him and prioritize what He says is important above anything mankind says. 
And so uh, we want them to watch a true story unfold and see what these people are doing now. And that Melissa laying on that abortion table as an 18 year old girl was about one minute away from allowing David to die. But now he stands, he is married, he's, he's, he's starting his family, he is, he is speaking all around the country, he is a new lawyer that is helping families adopt their own children. It is an incredible impact that that one split decision um, was made on the, on the abortion table. Get off the table and walk out. And that's what she did. She now is walking with the Lord. She knows Jesus Christ is her Lord and Savior, uh, as does David. And so we are so grateful. And when people watch this, they think, wow, this is a true story. This is not scripted. This is a true story. This is the kind of hope and redemption that is possible. The world would say, no, do the abortion. Planned Parenthood would say, no, go ahead and get the abortion. It's better for you. It's not better for you. That is a lie. They want the business of it and they want the control of it. But life is precious and should be treasured. And again, when you see a film like this, it, it paints a beautiful picture. So again, Life Mark, when it comes out September 9th, we want people to go see it, invite others to go see it. It'll grab your heart and help change your mind. So uh, one thing for our, our Defender podcast audience, I want to give them a little inside baseball here. So hopefully we don't reveal too much, but I, but I do want to. It, it's a part of what really speaks to the to the authenticity and the veracity of the story is that um that there are several people who this is their story that make cameo appearances in the film right like david david actually is there for a minute there are and i wonder like and we i would be interested would you guys just kind of point that out maybe to our audience about about how the how the the families were actually involved and and were were working alongside you as bringing this story to you know, to bear. Well, with this being the first film that we've made based on a true story, it was really cool to interview the real people and to pull lines directly out of their mouths and incorporate them into the script to watch the documentary and try to see how closely we could parallel the feature film with exactly what happened. But also we allowed the real David and the real Melissa to be in the baby handoff scene. When the, when the girl in the movie has the baby, and literally she said, I pray, God, would you take care of this child uh, wherever he goes? And then she passes him off. And what was interesting was when she held him, she wanted to keep him. You know, the, you know, the people who say yeah. we're, we're pro-choice, I'm like, okay, what kind of choice? Well, we're only giving them one choice, and we're going to make them make that choice in the dark without a sonogram, without understanding what's in the womb, and without ever seeing the child. You know, that's total dark deception going on in order to to pull off evil. But I want to say, let them hold the child first before they make that decision, because God will change the heart 70 percent of the time, even if they see a sonogram in the womb. But in this situation, she gives up the baby uh, in it because she knew she couldn't take care of him. And then uh, in the movie, you see the she hands her to the real Melissa Coles that had this story. She used to be the mom in the, in the in real life. And then she plays the nurse who then passes off the baby to Kirk Cameron's character, the Scottons or the Coltons in the movie. And then next to them is the lawyer that's a part of the adoption process played by the real David, who was the baby in real life, who's now really an adoption lawyer. And so, and Kirk Cameron himself playing Jimmy Scott, and he has adopted four kids. 
His wife was adopted, which means his two biological children wouldn't be here uh, if it weren't for his wife's adoption and that whole journey. So Kirk is so passionate about this issue and is thrilled that something that he values so strongly is going to get to be communicated through an emotional true story in film. Well, part of the coolest experience of being able to be with you guys was being able to be on set that one of the days when Melissa was there and, and actually being able to interact with her and to talk a little bit and hear, you know, a piece of her story. And, and so I just, I thank you for, you know, for just for your faithfulness to tell that story well. Um, but I think as, as folks are, you know, as they're evaluating and saying like, how, you know, how do we, how, how can we approach the story? Well, the fact is that the people that were a part of the story were also a part of making the film. And I think that's a, you know, that's a huge endorsement of how well the, the story has been told. Yeah. Well, guys, I, as we kind of close, I definitely want you to tell folks how they can get in touch and get more information on the movie and be able to see this film and purchase tickets and support it. But we've talked a little bit. This was a, a movie of first, right? You have the first real story that y'all have told. Uh, you have ATV and cliff jumping scenes, which I'm going to guess <laughs> were a first uh, for a Kendrick yes. Brother film. Uh, one of the things I noticed from watching the movie is I'm used to seeing Alex Kendrick play roles that are, you know, they're the the whitey tidy, the, the 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 you know the straight guy, and he actually plays the rough and tumble guy in this film. Uh, you know, he's the preacher even in the Irwin Brothers movie Mother Night Out. Now he's the he's the rough and tumble guy. So a lot of first uh, talk about as we close, just having so many first time. Uh, events in this movie, including filming the skydiving and ATV. And then just kind of close this out on how people can get tickets and support this movie. Well, all the, all the action stuff w really happened. So we said, hey, if it really happened, let's stick it in the film. I enjoy doing all the ATV stuff. And uh, again, I think the audience is going to enjoy seeing what 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 the action stuff that was really a part of their their lives. So it was fun to include that. Uh, but we can't wait for people to see it themselves. You can go to lifemarkmovie.com, lifemarkmovie.com, and there put put in your zip code. You can find all the theaters near you, see the trailer, see who's in the film, and there's a lots of connections as well. For people that are saying, hey, who, where can I get counsel? Where can I talk to someone about truly adopting myself? Or if I'm trying to recover from a decision I made where I, that I shouldn't have made, can somebody advise me? So all of those things we try to give links to as well. So we're very grateful for what the Lord's already doing. Can't wait to see what he does. So we encourage people to visit lifemarkmovie.com and we'll see you at the theater. Well, and we're grateful for Lifeline and what you guys do because you're one of our major partners That's on right. adoption and foster care. And the fact that you have an international impact, it is our prayer and hope that this movie will go around the world and impact both uh, the pro-life cause and pro-adoption uh, cause around the world. And uh, it's good to be tethered with people that are not only committed to the family, but are committed to the gospel and the word of God as well. So thank you for joining us and helping us. Amen. And I would just encourage all of our listeners to the Fender podcast, please, 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 please support this movie. Don't just go watch it once, go watch it twice. Take people with you. Uh, let's support good Christian filmmaking. And I'll tell you that our staff, they might not all know this, but it's a surprise for our staff retreat. We have rented out a theater and we'll be showing Lifemark to them. And so go to lifemarkmovie.com, support this film. What a great opportunity to celebrate gospel-driven justice 
gospel hope through adoption and to support movies that have an awesome message, but also are relevant in this day and age in our culture. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit herbienewell.com. Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.